Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I meet other people with famous family members and discuss how that has affected their journeys through life. My guest this week is Nicola Wren. Nicola is a writer and actress. I'd never heard of Shakespeare in Love. When she told me she was an actress, I was like, well, me too, I'm just about to play Mole. She studied at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London and has written and performed three shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, 501 Things I Do in My Bedroom in 2015, Replay in 2017, and the critically acclaimed superstar in the summer of 2019. Do you think I've made myself a bit of an easier target because I've put myself out there in this way? And he was like, yes, even easier because you've associated yourself with Coldplay. Nicola has also appeared in A Song for Jenny on BBC One, Staff Let's Flats on Channel 4, and in films including King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and Chubby Funny. Nicola's brother is songwriter and lead singer of the band Coldplay, Chris Martin. There was this really cool phase where, like, me and Rich would come up to London to hang out with Chris and he'd be like, let's go get recognised. And we were like, yeah, let's do it, like, let's go. Chris was born in Exeter and went to University College London, where he formed Coldplay in 1998 with bandmate Johnny Buckland. The thing is, it doesn't matter how many jobs I'm working to pay my rent, a lot of people are going to assume that my brother's sorted it out for me. They've since sold over 100 million records worldwide, and Chris was named on the Debrett's list of the most influential people in the UK due to both his music and his work as a philanthropist. Hello, Nicola. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Just come from giving a lot of money to charity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good, and leads me to my first question. What did you think of your intro? Did I get enough in there? And also, what would your brother Chris think of his if he were ever listening to this podcast? I liked my intro and I thought it was really fair and nice, thanks. Um, and I actually did, I was, I was like, I have done three shows. Um, obviously, you know, we're talking about selling 60 tickets a, a day rather than 70,000. Um, but I, I, I was grateful for it. I've thoroughly researched. I, I'm, yeah, I'm proud of the things that I've done and... Uh, I'm very proud of my brother, and that's a lovely intro, and it's nice to get Johnny in there because, you know, he doesn't get an awful lot of um, attention, and, and uh, without Johnny, there'd be no band. But um, I'm sure Chris would probably say something humble or grateful or some kind of um, L.A. <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> but, be, but be grateful for the nice the nice intro. Uh, we'll get into that. I, I wanted to bring up the show you did in Edinburgh, uh, Superstar, first, because that's how I heard about you. I heard mm -hmm. about the show and then got to watch a, a copy of the show. Really enjoyed the show. Thank you. On video. Your agent kindly sent it. I know. Did she send it with a note that I find that video of... Video of live performance really saps the vibe, and so I was worried about uh, it. Well, 
She didn't. Okay, um, well, but here it is. I totally understand because <laughs> I did stand up for years and had to send videos out and it's just like, you, you just, you know. Nobody, it's awful. Nobody, nobody hears the audience laughing as much as they honestly were, I promise. Yeah, it's really just for the archives. Uh, well, For the grandkids. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But let's talk a little bit more about it. So um, do you want to maybe give a little a little synopsis of the show? Sure. So Superstar is my um, autobiographical uh, one-woman um, comedy play about growing up with four older siblings and desperately wanting to win their approval and thinking that after they saw me perform as a bunny rabbit in the village pantomime and clapped, that becoming a superstar actress would be the best way to get them to love me. Uh, and it, so it's about me pursuing that um, as a career and then what happens when my eldest brother actually did become a superstar and how that changed my um, kind of trajectory a little bit. I mean, I still was really determined to be an actor, as you can tell from what I've been doing with my life. But I uh, started to kind of hide the fact that I was related to Chris away from everyone and um, and it's a lot about me trying to find my own identity separate from Chris and then getting to a point where I realised that the best way to be comfortable with who I am as a person would be to actually embrace it rather than keep trying to hide it. But it's a lot about my other siblings as well and mm-hmm. um, it's a really fun, silly uh, show about kind of how ludicrously arrogant I was when someone told me that I was good in the village pantomime. I thought it meant that I was going to be famous. And um, as a result of the show, most importantly, not only did you get you know lots of great reviews mm. and um, lots of great press lots about of, it, yeah, thank but you. also you got invited to come on Almost Famous, da, which, da, uh, which was all I wanted. Which leads me to a question we ask everyone who comes on. How did you feel when you first were asked to come on this podcast? And uh, it, it strikes me that in reality, you would just, because of the show you've done, uh, it would be easy for you to come on the show or to talk about this stuff now, whereas a lot of people we found uh, don't really feel that comfortable talking about their siblings or uh, parental mm. fame. Well, I was not comfortable with it until this, this last year. And some I still find it hard. I think it's like, I, I was, thank you for inviting me on the, the podcast. I think at first I was sceptical about its quality because <laughs> I'd never heard it before. But um, then I, when I read more about it and I, um, I like the premise a lot. And, um, and I think there is a, I, 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 I much prefer talking in this kind of setting than, um, in a more formal interview setting it's like I I really like being given the opportunity to actually express the whole sort of picture rather than you know a couple of sound bites that can get misconstrued and turned into quite a hideous headline in the daily mirror or something Mm. um, which has happened in this last year as well can you think of the headline what's the headline you're thinking of in your head right now Chris Martin's secret sister changes her name to a pizza to avoid the limelight which came after I did (laughs) I went on Good Morning Britain which I wish I'd never done it wasn't with Morgan though was it it wasn't with Morgan I almost wish it had been because Mm. then then another person would have looked like an asshole, except just me Um, but no I thought it would be good if I told this story about how um, when I was searching for my stage name which I had to come up with because there was another Nicola Martin Mm -hmm. um, on the cast the online casting directory and also I wanted to kind of have a kind of mental separation from my brother just because I was freaked out that people would think that if I got any success it would be because of him anyway 
I went. I was searching for a stage name, and I was in Pizza Express, and I saw the Loren Pizza <laughs> on the menu, and I was like, Ren is a cool name. And then I realised that my grandmother was a Ren in the Second World War and chose the name. Anyway, I thought it'd be funny yeah. to just tell the Pizza Express story, which is in my show on Good Morning Britain. And then I didn't realise that tabloid papers would only really pick that bit out um, to write about. So. It haunts me to this day, but I did get a free pizza. Well, I was going to say, so I saw on your Twitter that uh, Pizza Express sent you a tweet. They, or did they retweet something <laughs> you'd written? Or they sent, but I just thought you got Ren from La Ren, but actually it does work as Nico La Ren, which is what they then tweeted, which I thought was pretty clever. Well, that's... well. Because I say it... No, I said it in the interview. Because in the show I go... It's, it's a whole bit where I'm like, La Ren, La Ren, Nico got it. La Ren. And so they sold it from me. Let's not give Pizza Professor credit Sorry, for my material. I apologise. We can give we can them credit for their wonderful dough balls, but we can't give them credit for that. Um, no, they tweeted me, and I was very excited about it. And then I asked on Twitter if I could have some free dough balls and then sent them a YouTube video that I'd made of a character that I do sometimes called Georgia Kapupu. Yeah, I've seen that. It's very funny. Thank you. Who's a piss take of Georgia Kasulu, who was on... What, what, what even was she on? I don't Maybe, even know the only who that way is. is Essex. Oh, She's some one of those. Is. Anyway, it, where I talk about making little balls of dough out of bread. Um, anyway, I, I sent it to them because I'd called the video "Powered by Dough," and I was like, you know, this is very on brand for me. Mm-hmm. I also lost my virginity after Pizza Express. Um, <laughs> wait, and wait, what else? Wait, Every time my sister. Wait, sis- wait, wait, wait. you can't you can't glaze over that um, because I was going to say actually this is all getting a little bit off topic, but Pizza Express oh, actually no 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 not in a bad way. Pizza Express has a huge part in my childhood actually and life. It's my my when I would see my dad every fortnight. Uh, okay. He would take us to Pizza Express on Upper Richmond Road on Friday, and there was a jukebox. So me and my That's brother would just be on the jukebox. Yeah, it's really lovely, and uh, I, I've always ordered the same pizza at Pizza Express. A very big part of my life. What so, is it? Uh, an American with extra ham and soft egg. Okay, Gar- I would never have guessed that garlic. because it's not on the menu. Well, the American is on the menu, but the new. Well, I know the American's my favorite. I mean, if I'm if I'm feeling soft you, egg, if I'm feeling really out there, then I'll I'll go American hot with extra soft egg. But you've soft got to have egg. you've got to have soft egg on the. What are you talking pizza. about, soft egg? Well, if you say egg, then it might not be soft. So they just fry an egg on your pizza. Oh, I've never had a egg on a pizza, but I like eggs on toast. So imagine it's not that different. It's really great. You okay. should try it. But um, so your kind of your links to Pizza Express are strong and sorry, impressive. I know I've gone on too much about Pizza Express. It's no, there should be a whole me. podcast we do separately about Pizza Express, as far as I'm concerned. I want In them fact, to sponsor the press night for my show. Okay, um, well, did you hold on? Did you ever get the free dough? Balls yes, we were getting there. Sorry. I was just going around about the houses on it. Sorry, that's all right. You can cut all of this. One um, shan't. Please, I know, it could get me another pizza. Anyway, they, they wrote to me and they were like, oh, we'd love to invite you to our Oxford Circus branch for, for a free meal um, with, a, with a guest. And then I wrote back and I was like, brilliant. She was like, give me your email, we'll set it up. I didn't receive an email, so about a week later, hello, Louisa. Sorry, <laughs> you did say that you could come to Pizza Express for free and I uh, haven't received your email. Please could you let me know when we can come? I really chase that up and then... She sorted it out, and then we got there, and they totally forgotten our reservation. Well, part, part of me well, call me cynical, but part of me wonders who they hoped the guest you'd bring would be. I, well, I know. I well, I don't know. The devastating reality of being related to a star. What that people are always disappointed when I show up. <laughs> I didn't say disappointed. That's where you went to. Oh, okay. That is where you went it was to in, in the your own head. voice. No, that's just my time. Anyway, voice. I know you want to talk about Chris and not about. Um, pizzas. No, I want to talk about you, but most importantly, before we move on, do you have 
garlic bread with cheese as a starter as well as dough balls or just dough balls? No, just dough balls. But now you can get doppio dough balls, which means you get eight rather than four. No, you get 16 rather than eight. Are they the ones where you get the three the three sauces, like yes. the, the pesto and stuff? Which, which was, I won't go into this. I will actually just quickly, but it, basically I didn't order it because I thought I don't need those three dips. I didn't realise you get 16 dough balls. I thought it was just dough balls with three dips. Anyway, you get 16 dough balls and I wish I'd done it. But they didn't send you a year's supply of dough balls. They just gave you one free meal. That's one free meal. To be honest, Pizza so Express, far. I'm disappointed with you. Um, but, you know, I will always love you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and I'd like your sponsorship for uh, everything I do. Yes, Nicola would like that. So if you could just get in touch with her, Louisa, once again, that would be really <laughs> helpful. Um, so when did you first realise that your brother was famous and how did it affect you? Um, well, when I was eight, um, Coldplay um, were written about in the NME, which I didn't really know what it was mm-hmm. at the time because I was eight. Um, but I remember cutting out the article and taking it into school and showing all of my friends and like bragging about it. And not bragging about it, actually just really proudly showing it around. Um, and do you remember what that was written about? Was it an EP they'd released, and it was a review, or was it like yeah, this I is the next so. new great band? Or I think it was just basically like they'd been noted. It was a small little article mm-hmm. that had come out that was like this band have got a great first album coming out, and we're excited about them. And it was probably a picture of Chris playing the guitar. Right. So I was really excited. Anyway, and then I mean the rest. The next few years are a bit of a I can't really remember any specific moments until. Then when Chris, oh, actually, well, then like there was quite a fun phase where um, Chris was starting to get recognised quite a lot, and so me and my other brother Rich, there's actually five of us, but Rich is the one closest to me. What are what are age. the what are the jobs that the five do? Because you talk about that in your show quite a lot. Is it ones? Oh, I don't actually talk about their jobs. Do you not? No, but where did I get that from? I know, then? Well, Maybe I read it somewhere. Well, you probably read it in one of the articles that I did. Yeah, sorry. One's an architect, one is a nurse, one is an Apache helicopter pilot. Oh, that's achingly cool. And one is me, and the other one's in the band. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, Carry on, I'm interrupting. No, no. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so there was this really cool phase where like me and Rich would come up to London to hang out with Chris and he'd be like let's go get recognised and we were like yeah let's do it like let's go and it was just really fun because nobody re- like a few people the people that were recognising him were fans mm-hmm. um, anyway and then it all started to change once he met and started going out with Gwyneth um, because obviously That's the Gwyneth paparazzi Gwyneth Paltrow for any of you who've had your head buried under a rock for the last Yes, Gwynny P, um, which we won't refer to her as that ever again in our lives. Cut that. Uh, yes, Gwyneth, um, and because obviously she had an awful lot more um, press attention for her personal life, um, obviously her going out with a young British rocker, mm. if we can call him that, um, <laughs> pop star. Um, His Wikipedia page says rock band Coldplay, and I didn't put rock band in the intro because I I debated that very thing. Are they a rock band or are they a pop band? I'm, I don't know. I'm I, not really sure. Somewhere in between, I think. I don't know, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. I think they're just you know they are what they are. Yeah, they're Coldplay. Um, they're they, a subgenre. Yeah. Um, They've gone beyond. It's poppy rock. It's gentle. It's it's um, good for the masses. Yeah. Um, anyway. So so when that happened, um, there was a quite a lot, like the paparazzi, that was when the paparazzi started coming to our house, which was in the middle of a village in Exeter. Um, and it was all a bit weird. And then I was doing a 
production of Wind in the Willows in Exeter City Centre uh, with like my local amateur dramatic group and um, Chris and Gwyneth came to watch it and they snuck in late with their caps on and I was just really excited that they were there but then when I got backstage everybody I just remember all the cast and crew and lots of you know brothers and sisters of all the other cast had come backstage and everyone was swarming around Chris and Gwyneth and getting their autographs and pictures and all this stuff and I that was kind of the moment where everything changed and I just was like oh okay that, that he's more interesting than me mm. <laughs> did it deflate do you remember no. the feeling of deflation I remember it just being really weird mm. and um really proud but also probably probably a bit annoyed because I, I not because people were swarming around him but because I wanted his attention rather than him to be giving it to all the fans. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to him and Gwyneth on my own. Not because I gave a, a crap about Gwyneth being famous. I didn't know who she was. I'd never heard of Shakespeare in Love. When she told me she was an actress, I was like, well, me too. I'm just about to play Mole. <laughs> and she was just like, thought I was sweet. Um, you say something in your show that she said a line. Do you want to just say <laughs> that and tell me, please tell me it's true because it's hilarious. That I was so believable. So she said that you, you. She said a lot of really nice things about my performance. Um, to put too many of them in the show would be arrogant. Uh, no, she's yeah. She said my performance as Mole was so believable. That's so um, brilliant. That is so brilliant. And but she was so lovely and supportive and sweet. But I, yeah, I just wanted their attention for myself. So it was, so my problem really has never been that I'm jealous of the attention that my brother gets from other people. It's that I'm jealous of the attention other people get from my brother. Yeah. No, I totally Ooh, understand. Confession? No, no, no. I, yeah, well, it, it doesn't feel like confession. It feels real. doesn't listen to this. It feels real to me. Um, yeah. But I also just want to say, and I'm, if I were you for your show Superstar, I would have put on the poster, so believable, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> that would have been such a great quote to <laughs> but have I'm on not, the... But I didn't want to use any of it in the marketing. I see. What was the, the decision-making behind that? That I don't... It's not a show that's solely about my brother being um, Chris and so it's about all my siblings but also I don't think it's I know that in the press it's interesting and everything but I I didn't want to missell my show as a kind of reveal all about Mm -hmm. a celebrity thing and I was also already conscious that a lot of people would think that the reason I was talking about Chris in it was to get more attention and to sell more tickets and actually the reality is that I was doing it because I just had to get it off my chest in order to kind of creatively move on with my life. I know that sounds really pretentious, but I, 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 it's true. It doesn't. And um, and so I thought, and also it's like, I want people to be coming to the show who have all kinds of experiences with their siblings. You know, a lot of people have an older sibling that's way more successful than them, but they might be a banker or mm-hmm. it might be that they're just their parents' favourite. And I wanted people to see my show and go like, oh, it's about siblings. I want to see that rather than, oh, it's about Chris Martin's little sister. Let's see that. Mm-hmm. In reality, obviously, a lot of people wanted to just see Chris Martin's sister or probably um, just hoped that he might be there. So in terms of then, how do you feel about that in general? So in terms of the word nepotism, which I think is a really important part of what this podcast is about because I grew up thinking I could never mention the fact that my stepfather was famous because mm-hmm. I wanted to get into comedy and TV and I thought they'd think, oh, you're only there because of that person, right? Yeah. So how do you feel uh, about the fact that you're, I mean, you're able to be honest now and say the reality is a lot of people came to see me because of that element of it. 
do you does any part of you feel anxious about that or anything or is it it's just something that has helped um no i hate that <laughs> um i um i feel exactly the way that you I, I i did feel exactly the way that you felt in terms of i can't mention it because the thing is it doesn't matter how many jobs i'm working in terms of like to pay my rent and how self-sufficient i am and, and like financially anything that i do mm. a lot of people are going to assume that my brother's sorted mm-hmm. it out for mm-hmm. me a lot of people assume that my brother pays my rent or that my parents pay my rent or you know and that's and that's just the reality of it. I mean, so, to be honest, if your parents don't pay your rent, you're one of the few people in London whose parents don't pay their rent. Well, one of the few well, middle in class acting, people in acting. In yeah. acting, yeah. yeah. And and I and I never like I don't now I'm doing it, aren't I? But I don't like to like I'm not blowing my own trumpet by being like, look at me, I work for my own money. Actually, um, it's like that's just to me standard. What you need to do in life is make your own money because it feels good mm. and you need it. And so sometimes without wanting to be like, I work so hard. I, I, it's like, I do work hard and it it slightly pisses me off that um, I know that a lot of people assume that I probably don't or don't need to, whereas it's actually like, well, I want to and I do need to because I wouldn't want my brother or expect my brother yeah. to pay for my life. My, my question is, I wonder what... Maybe I didn't answer your question. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I wonder how much of it is people genuinely assuming that and how much of it is you assuming that people assume that. Probably mostly the latter. That's the thing. It's like, no one cares, really. No, no one cares about anyone except themselves. If you're, like, this is the thing. Yeah, it's true. So with the nepotism thing, what was good, what what, what I just, I just knew that I needed to just get over it, basically. I do find it a bit frustrating and... um, You talked about owning your own narrative. I think that sums it up really well. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, unfortunately... No, not unfortunately. But this is the situation, is that my brother is this person. I know what I what I do every day. My friends know what I do every day to make my career happen and, and how hard I work for that. And part of writing and putting on my own shows was part of me saying, well, if people are going to assume that Chris is helping me if I ever get any success, at least I'm going to know that... I'm good in my own right because I've yeah. written these plays and I've sold tickets without talking about Chris. I yeah. sold out my last run without talking about it. And so that's why with this show, I didn't aim to like sell any more tickets than I'd sold with my last show. I booked the same mm-hmm. capacity venue because I tr- knew that on my own right, I could sell that out. Yeah. It's not a lot of tickets, but you know, it's an achievement to sell it. You took a previous show to New York and Soho Theatre as well, didn't you? Yeah, so. yeah. And that was before any, anyone knew anything about Chris. So, so I had to get to that point where I trusted it myself. That mm. I was like, well, I know I'm doing this because I'm hardworking and I've got something to say. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I want to make art and theatre and comedy. And um, so if I mention the Chris thing, I'm just going to have to get over it. And then... Of course, as soon as I did any interviews like on the Good Morning Britain and then the Daily Mail wrote about it, I obviously read all sort of 300 comments that were like, she's a fringe actress passing her prime that's just trying to cash in now. And it's like, well, okay. Everyone's now said everything I've ever been scared of people saying, so yeah. I'm kind of just free. When it comes to it, and I've talked about this with some of our other guests actually, when it comes to it, the proof is in the pudding. And like you said, you know, the reality is, are you good or not? So mm-hmm. you know, I think the perfect example of that is I, I personally think that reviewers will go into a show of yours about that, wanting it to be shit. One of the advantages of having a celebrity and famous 
sibling mm. who's successful is that when I got a bad review, I called up my brother and I was really upset. And he was like, look, some you have to remember that, first of all, if you've made um, something that feels felt in your heart that was the right thing to make and that you needed to make it, then fuck what they say. But yeah. also remember that a lot of reviewers are trying to make a name for themselves as well. And you're way more likely to click on a one-star review than you are to click on a three and exactly. one with a headline they've that's got like... To sell, they've got to sell papers and keep their jobs. So, everyone's, yeah, exactly. everyone's keeping their jobs. And also what I'd say... You know, and correct me if I'm wrong here or being mean, but I'd say Coldplay a great example, a great example of a, a band or an artist who are so successful that people want to slag them off, whether they're good or not, or whether they like the music or not. So for yeah. me, you know, I know in comedy certainly Michael McIntyre is the perfect example, a brilliant comedian. He's so good at his art, and his peers, a lot of them just slag him off because yeah. he's so successful. He's crossed over into the mainstream, yeah. and people tend to hate that. So, you know, what in reality, like you said, it's like reviewers are just trying to sell, yeah, keep their jobs exactly. and sell papers. And there's a lot of, like, jealousy and and I think probably artistic frustration if you're someone who's like, critiques things for a living. It's like, well, yeah. they wanted they wanted to be artists yourself. themselves, exactly. Where, um, what That's was, a bit of a cliche, though, for me to say, sorry. Uh, it's all right. It's, I, I completely agree with the cliche. And, and whenever people have ever been mean about anything I've done, I think about that myself. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, what was your relationship with Chris like when you were growing up? Um... It so was, I guess before Coldplay, I guess, is kind of yeah, more interesting. Um, 
well, he's the, he was thirteen. He is thirteen years older than me, um, and so it was a really nice thing of there's not really any sibling rivalry when there's that much of an age gap because he'd already had three younger siblings, so it was over the whole like oh, I might have to split the attention of my parents. I mean, I feel like that's what he was probably like. He might say differently, but um, so our whole relationship was just such fun, and like he was my absolute hero and we would just but all of my brothers were really and but him in particular we because we were both quite creative and we just laughed a lot and uh yeah I he basically whatever he said I took as like gospel and mm. I remember going and being like I was about to go and buy my first ever album from Virgin Megastores and um and I was like what should I get Chris and I was like seven <laughs> And he was like, Oasis, get Oasis, definitely, maybe. I was like, cool, cool, yeah. cool. And then got definitely, maybe, and I sat in my bedroom and I'm just like, I don't get this at all. But. <laughs> and then I was like, got my godmother gave me S Club 7, um, S Club 7's album, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. And then, but I pretended that definitely, maybe was my favourite album for a really long time. Oh, you wanted him to know that you liked the same stuff that he liked, that's lovely. Yeah, I did that with all of them, really. You talked about uh, how when you went to school at 11, Mm -hmm. uh, your dad warned you that people would try and use you to get to your brother. Mm -hmm. What do you think he meant by that and how did that feel and and what did that mean kind of as in your early school days? Yeah, he still says that to me now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love my dad so much, but sometimes he doesn't say very helpful things. Um, Cut that. Um, I I love my dad. Uh, But, yeah, so dad always said... um, be careful because people use you to get to your brother and I think what he meant was that um, that a lot of the time people will pretend to like me and maybe say things that they think I want to hear because they want to find out something about Chris and his personal life um, I think like when I, but now when I think about it, when I'm talking about it I'm, I'm like well it's quite silly actually because other than people trying to get free tickets mm. and being nice to me for fake reasons like what are they going to do like they can't I'm not really useful for much in terms of being used to get to my brother it's like but especially at the age of 11 I would have thought I, I mean I hadn't before you said um, you know that was, I don't know if you did you use the word dangerous or quite a, a weird or whatever word you said uh, it's I didn't really think about it but it strikes me that actually to say that to you at that age might be quite conf- must have been quite confusing to try and understand. I wouldn't have understood that at 11, I don't think. Yeah, but I think it just made me... Um, and it wasn't just my dad saying that. You know, there was also a lot of stuff changing. Like, there was paparazzi showing up at our house yeah. and people trying to get answers about things and trick... You know, the way paparazzi talk to you is, like, they try and trick you into talk- telling stuff and then they spin it. And so it's like, when you see that when you're 10 or 11, it's like... Oh right, people aren't trust like people aren't trustworthy, and people are going to, you know, trick me into saying things, and and people are going to want tickets to my brother's show, and so I just started to become really, I just started to basically become not very trusting of people, and I was I I acted normally and I was really outwardly confident and everything, but as soon as someone was nice to me or if someone fancied me or I heard that they fancied me or. Mm. Whatever, I was like, yeah, but they just want, they were just interested because of Chris. And that carried on. I still have that today. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I had a meeting with someone yesterday and I was like, I think they just want, they're just interested in what we're talking about because of the name, you know? And can I just ask, do you think that would have been, do you think 
at the age of 11 or soon after, that's something that you would have picked up on or thought anyway? Or do you think your dad saying that led you into that kind of lack of trust much sooner? I mean, I don't want to put my dad too much in the shit because it's not all his fault. Mm. I think I was starting to feel that already. But yes, it it did not help having Mm. my dad be like, people are going to use you, don't trust anyone. Um... I also think it's good advice. On top of him telling it's... me that all men are shits and uh, yeah. that, what else do you tell me? My mum says that Lots as well. That's good advice. My mum says all men are shits. I mean, I think maybe That's got to be the default position, my dad says, and if they're not a shit, they need to prove to you that they're not a shit. Yeah. My mum is all men are shits except you. You're the different one. And that's <laughs> and, and where then... mum's probably wrong, I'm afraid. Yeah, the most that's the most dangerous thing she's ever actually said to me. Um, no, I'm not trying to throw your dad on the bus. I think it's also really good advice. Yeah, it's totally good advice. I think probably um, it was a bit too uh, soon, maybe, or um, just not probably not clear enough. Yeah. And um, I think I was lacking the, the kind of deep inner confidence that I needed to be able to go like, okay, well, if they're using me, then fuck them, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I was like deep down, even though I was so confident on the outside because I was doing all this acting and stuff. But what my show explores is about the fact that I was acting all the time to try and impress people rather than just because I love doing it. Um, and because I was never really, I never really trusted that just me w- was going to be interesting enough. Mm. And um, I found it a bit overwhelming and, and like deep, deep down to, to not n- not know if people really like you for you is, is just a bit tiring, really. And you mentioned that that's a feeling you still have now. So in terms of your personal yeah. relationships, how much, you know, how much does that part of your life, having a famous brother, affect your actual personal or how much has it affected your personal relationships? Well, I'm so lucky because I've got so many good friends. Um, and so that's absolutely fine. I think... Part of the reason I made this show Superstar mm. was because I wanted... It was my way of kind of combating the fear when I meet someone new of wondering, like, do they know about Chris? Who's told them? How do they know? Like, what do they think? What mm-hmm. kind of preconceptions they made about me? I was like, if I put it out there into the world and I just own it and I've made my show about it, mm. then I don't need to worry about those things anymore because I'll just assume that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, and if they don't know and I bring it up at some point, um, because I'm talking about the show, then they'll find out and maybe they'll think I've name dropped, but probably not. Um, and it just, I just wanted to like free, free, free it up. But it does mean that, like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm single and I, um, I'm nervous to like go on any apps and stuff because if someone saw my name and then typed it into mm. Google, then it would come up with an article from the Telegraph or something. Mm-hmm. And then they'd know before going on the first date. So that, I don't want to go on the apps anyway, to be honest, I like being alone. But I, <laughs> at the moment, not forever. Yeah. Um, maybe forever, who knows. But sometimes I think, actually, I'm going to be alone forever because I'll never meet anyone that I can really trust, like, just likes me for me. But that's really bleak. That would be worse. And I don't really believe that. That's just on a really bad day. It would be worse if you were a superstar, though, wouldn't it? Like, as and when no, you... No, no, I- it wouldn't because... The thing is, I'm fam- I'm not I'm not famous, but what I'm famous for is somebody else being right. really good at something rather than like on my own merits. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry I just got really aggressive about that. But right. like that's the tri- that's the tricky Assertive. thing. It's like people are interested in me not because of something I've achieved or anything wonderful that I've done, but because of something wonderful somebody else has done. And so it's like I don't need I don't deserve any of this attention. Mm. And but you still have your anonymity, whereas I always think... Well, I've just lost that, haven't I? I'm bloody making a show about it. But no, I did it for the right reasons. But, so but I think in terms... What I'm saying is, as and when you become a famous actress, 
then you will lose the ability to walk down the street without people noticing. And therefore, that will make, for me, I've always thought about, the, you know, I've thought about quite a lot about the possibility of fame down the years. Because right. I, th- I think because I, I grew up saying. around Sorry, it. I see but what I you're personally saying. think, it, I've always personally thought the worst thing about it for me would be not being able to walk down the street without people looking. And therefore, in a, in, in a similar way to what you're talking yeah. about, actually, when everyone, whenever anyone meets you, just saying, just thinking, oh, they're interested in me because yeah, but I'm I think, on TV or whatever. Yeah, I see what you, I see what you're saying, and I'm sorry that I, um, I, I probably jumped to to a different answer than than what you were asking for. But I, um, I think you're totally right, and the anonymity thing terrifies me, and that was something that I uh, was always because I was like, I want, I would have even if my brother had never become famous, I would have always wanted to be an actor and probably to have been famous myself mm. which I don't I'm not now really aiming for fame I'm just sort of aiming to be able to make work but I, I was really scared of the loss of anonymity and I because I was so arrogant as a, a kid with like thinking that I was really good at acting and thinking that that would automatically make me a superstar I, I was just assumed I was going to be really famous so I was like oh my god well, then I won't be able to go anywhere and have to start wearing a cap and caps look really bad on me and um, you know all this stupid stuff, and none, of, and presumably, and I think you've talked about this. None of this helped by the fact that you know your brother that happened to your brother. So you must have assumed, being young, that that would automatically happen to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it was like Chris left the village, went to London, became a star. I'll do the same. Yeah. When the time is right, I was so convinced that I was going to be a success that when they came to do. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the film, auditions in Exeter, and they were open call auditions. I didn't go because I was like, I'll get the part and I'm gonna, not going to be able to focus on my schoolwork for a for year. For the Johnny Depp one? I think it was that one. It must Would that have been, have been the right sort yeah, of it must time? Have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. But I was like, Certainly obviously... It wasn't the Gene Wilder one. I was like, I can't go to the audition because I'll get it. Um... <laughs> and I need to, I need to I'm ruling, focus on school. I'm ruling myself like, out of this because I, it's too asshole. easy. Yeah, that's hilarious. But I, but, you know... I was from a really small village where I was good in the pantomime and everyone was like, oh, you're going to be well good and successful, you know. And then Chris actually did do that. So, of course, my yeah. little brain was like, yes, I will be a star. <laughs> and then I had to kill her off when I got into my 20s. And then, yeah, then the real life of, <laughs> of, of trying to be an actress, uh, an actor, the struggling life of an actor yeah. became real. Which I like. I like the struggle. Yeah? Yeah, not every day. But I think it makes you better. Yeah, you have to. And it, once you become famous, no one says no to you. And then, yeah, you know, when you're not having any struggle, you haven't really got anything to write about. Yeah, just never. I mean, be, you can find them, but well, I don't. I don't think so being famous for is all it's cracked looking, up to be. You're looking for success and uh, doing success in doing what you love rather yeah. than the fame of it. Yeah, I think that's that's a good thing. What um, you mentioned before about uh, the fear of people treating you differently because of who your brother was, but have you got lots of examples or any examples you can think of of how people genuinely have treated you differently because of it and how times where that's really affected you? When I was working in a pub, for example, and then people found out um, about it, I told one person and then they inevitably told other people. Um, People were like, why are you working here if your brother's so rich? And you're like, well, I need a job and I don't want my brother to pay for my life. So it's like little assumptions like that that are kind of a bit grating. And then, then you get the classic, like, how's your brother? And I'm like, which one? I've got three. <laughs> and it's like, you know the one. And I'm like, you asked me about Chris. And they're like, 
well, I didn't want to be that guy. And I was like, well, you are that guy, aren't you? Because you just asked me. Yeah. As my brother, and you met Chris. Um, so it was like that kind of thing. Is that from strangers? I'm sure when or I leave here, I'll probably you... think of a sort of yeah. example that has had more of a kind of um, effect on me. I think it's just knowing that, like, people can say things like. Um, I think the fact that it's... in oh, I think she's the fact only that you, got that because she's... Yeah, the, ne- the nepotism thing. But I think what's most interesting, and we've touched on this a bit, is how much of it is probably in your head. I've... Pr- com- yeah. Compared to, you know, the, the worst case scenario is in your head the whole time and the reality is actually a lot less real. Yeah. yeah. Although, this year, having read all those comments on the Daily Mail <laughs> was actually, in a way, validating for all of my fears because I was like, oh, yeah... I've always been scared that if I talk about Chris, people will say, I'm using it. People will say, like, mm. no one cares. Like, not no one cares, but, like, be like, you know, she's desperate and um, she's not even good or they're not even good. Like, just shitty things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and they've all said it. So but they're not that real stuff people, was in my head. But They're people who... Um you know, social media has allowed them, has given them a forum that didn't exist before. So that it's these people who just make the most out of, you know, they, yeah. they do that because they're looking for a bite. They're looking to try and get a reaction from people they'd never be able to converse with before or other people who have similar mindsets. It's it's yeah. people with negative mindsets. That's why, I I mean, I guess my way of looking at it is, um, and I've never, I've never had trolling on that level, but I used to do a lot of stuff like on YouTube and therefore... Yeah. Uh, get quite a lot of people calling me a ginger cunt. And well, that's not fair. I know, it's barely even, like, strawberry-coloured. No, but, but ginger's uh, lovely, but... <laughs> yeah. But you just have to... I personally think you find a mindset where you're like, well, these people would never say that to my face, so they're not really real people. They're just people who right. have been given this forum. Right. Then, they were actually just, like, the online manifestation of my th- inner of your thoughts fears, yeah. and fears. And they're jealous as well. They're jealous because they're not doing anything. It's the same as the critics, really, It's the uh, as the reviewers, yeah. sorry. They're jealous because they're not creating anything they're not putting themselves out there mm. you are they wish they could and so they're looking to try and find something they can pick at you you know and uh, and find a reason yeah. why you're doing it and they're not I and I discussed this with my brother you know doing this show I made myself an easy target and he was like and when I was talking to him about my bad re- reviews there's only a couple of them by the way but um, when I was talking to him about them he was, I said I, I was like do you think I've made myself a bit of an easier target because I've put myself out there in this way and he was like yes and you've done it like even easier because you've associated yourself with Coldplay <laughs> which people it's like a punchline and people love to hate the band so I mean, um, can I just say your brother does always seem like he comes across as just a really ni- nice bloke and that's a good example of that but does he come that. across as nice as I do no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's as fun as me uh, no thank you he is a nice guy and the thing is that we're just like a, quite a normal well, dysfunctional like any family but Mm. we're quite a normal middle class family who are just trying to do good stuff and like make the world a nicer place for the people that we meet Yeah, and I think people also like to kind of hate on that a little bit because it's like you haven't struggled enough and you haven't and it's like well we're we're just doing our best with what we got really and um, if he's you know and he's just a nice dude I really like that comment that's really nice uh, in kind of being self-deprecating about Coldplay I think it's hilarious uh, I should say because I should have probably said it earlier um, Coldplay's first three albums all uh, came they were all my first three breakup albums they came oh. perfect times for my first three breakups so I'm sorry you know they got me through uh, a lot of shit <laughs> yeah and then I had what was the pit- your favourite one uh, well like, Parachutes what, what was- is the best Coldplay album 
in your opinion. I like X and Y, which no, is you don't. famously <laughs> the worst one. But that was like that came out when I was fourteen. I like X and Y more than most people like X and Y, but I think Parachutes is the best album. Yeah, Parachutes is brilliant. I like Viva La Vida. I like all of them. I, don't, I love my brother. Uh, Viva La Vida is all right. Do you know what? I don't think I've I don't think I've listened to one since Viva La Vida. And it, is it that? Is it that someone people stop dumping you, or that you um, you just didn't find them as relatable for a heartbreak situation? Do you know what I find quite interesting about that is I didn't say I'd been dumped, did I? I said they were breakup arms, and you assumed that Sorry. I'd been dumped. Is that because of what you see? No, uh, because not of my at all. age, my no. ginger hair that you talked about before. It's not even that ginger, but also Thank gingers you. are great. Uh, I agree. Or- um, uh, no, well, sorry, but you know, it was... I once did a uh, I once did a a grade A uh, karaoke version of Shiver in New York. That's it was awful. really my you greatest my greatest karaoke. ever karaoke moment. It was, I've never found it since. <sighs> I've always wanted to do Radiohead at karaoke, but I think I might clear the bar, Creep. so I never do it. That would be a good karaoke no, one. It's too uh, Creep is just too obvious. Okay, I'd right. want to do all seven minutes of Paranoid Android if I thought <laughs> I could get away with it, but I don't think I could. Um, so I just I'm quite interested in the fact that obviously it that little period of your life because of who Chris married uh, and you wanting to be an actress, a famous actress came into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that affect your expectations of of being an actress yourself? <laughs> well, I've given you the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story. Mm-hmm. Um, so already my expectations were pretty high. And then, but like I say, I had no concept of what Gwyneth's fame meant. I'd never heard of her. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I'll give a shit. Mm. I just liked that she stroked my hair oh. and was really affectionate with me and really fun. And She like, comes across as a lovely person as well, you know. Yeah, she was great. I listened and, to her on Dak Shepard's podcast and, and she came across as really open and honest. And she gets so much shit. And yeah. a lot of it, she, make, she makes herself an easy target in a lot of ways too because she's you know, puts herself out there and, and sometimes suggests quite ludicrous things. <laughs> but she's, again, like, you know, she's not doing anything bad. She's not trying to hurt anybody. Um... But anyway, so when, I, when when she came into my life, it was amazing. And like, you know, she, but I don't, I, d- I didn't have her in my head as, I, just, I didn't think about her as a famous actress. I just thought about her as my brother's girlfriend that I thought was so cool. Yeah. And that used to call me every night when I was at boarding school and I was homesick and we used to speak on the phone and like, yeah. That is the amazing. lovely, that is the loveliest thing. Give Gwyneth some good press. Um, That's and, so, that is yeah. so lovely. So, I, I, like I say, I already had the kind of arrogant assumption that my career would be fine. But I, even then, when I was, when Chris started becoming famous, I, I always knew that I would do it on my own because I didn't think I would need any help. Mm. And so I was like, well, I don't need nepotism because I'm. Yeah. Did you the see me play Mole? Yeah. I was so believable. Um, <laughs> Like but that, that must, was, that's about, I know, and this is embarrassing for me to admit. And this is when, I, with my show, it's like I'm, I'm admitting how stupid I was, you know, and and how how cocky and um, not cocky, but just sort of naive and and silly. So it's like, yes, I'm putting the thing about Chris out there, but it's like I'm making myself quite vulnerable as well to the world with with the show, in the hopes that people come and see it and relate to it. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a segue back to the show. I have a show. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> Um, probably a good time to mention uh, the show's transferring, isn't it? Oh, stop it. It's not like I told you to mention it. The show's transferring to the Southwark Playhouse in London. November the 26th we oh, open and so then um, close on December the 21st. Have you started thinking about what your next show will be? Um, I'm not going to make another one-woman show. I feel like 
Um, now I'm going to start writing TV. And now I'm going to write stuff that's not about me. I've read that you've got a you've been writing a sitcom or working on a sitcom thing. Is that right? I was in the last uh, year um, on one that was about me and my mother. Oh yeah. Because you lived you lived together yeah. just with each other in London when you went to to yeah. college. Yeah, exactly. That's, and then after bit, a bit afterwards, idea. when I in between uni and finding a house, I lived with her. Um, as in finding another flat to rent. Um, Are there some funny? Have you got any funny stories just off the top of your head? Some strange stuff that happened. Well, so Mum really doesn't like it if neighbours are noisy, and so one day we were, I was like asleep, and the neighbours were being a bit noisy, so I was sort of stirring, and then suddenly I heard my mother just like. It's a t- small little flat. It's just two-bedroom flat. And she was stomping down the corridor. And then suddenly I heard this banging. And I went into her room and she was standing, hanging out of her window with a broom. And she was knocking the window. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was, like, leaning the broom down to the, the downstairs um, flat's window, being like, you'll be quiet. It's 3 a.m. And it was very embarrassing and, and very funny. Um, they hadn't been answering the door. That's why she'd, she'd gone to such drastic measures. Did she get them served with an asbo? <laughs> no, no. They were just um, young musical theatre students having a lovely song and dance at 3am in the morning. Um, uh, but I'm writing that, but now I'm writing a, different, a couple of different things. I'm writing an adaptation of my last play, Replay, and um, I want to write something a bit darker now. Because mm-hmm. Superstar was really fun and I wanted to make something really fun. Mm-hmm. And it was an experiment in can I be myself on stage. And having done it, I'm like, I don't need to do that anymore. And I've, I was trying to... I think this was the story that was like burning to get out of me for such a long time and now it's done. I feel really liberated creatively. Have you ever done stand-up? Yeah, I did a tiny bit about... Actually, I won't tell you what it was about. It was really embarrassing. But uh, I did a little bit at the Soho Theatre like after doing a course, but I hated it. Really? I don't know how you guys do it. What did you hate about it? I... I don't know. I think it's so. Exp- I think. I think it's actually the fact that you're kind of being yourself. I was kind of being myself, but I'm also kind of trying to create a persona, and I just couldn't get into that. It's like for me, I either needed to be a character or yeah. be totally myself. And totally myself doesn't have punchy one-liners. I've got stories and mm-hmm. anecdotes, and that's why my my show is quite anecdotal. But but the stand the stand there's too much pressure to be funny zingy and funny and yeah. actually I like to just more engage people in a longer story yeah. that has a few laughs along the way you can definitely do that as stand up it's just a I think I, I think the thing you said about persona is key is um, and a story that I heard that I always relate to when it comes to this is that apparently back in the early 80s <clears throat> Jack a, a comedian from then told me this story uh, Jack D was a really really terrible stand up and uh, then one day out of nowhere he came and did a gig and was just in a terrible mood and suddenly delivered the same stuff but in a really terrible mood, miserable right. Jack D way. And suddenly, he re- you know, the audience really reacted and his persona was born. And then everything that he wrote react- related so well to that persona that it was just like a natural fit. Yeah, I think um, I just didn't know what my persona would be. But it's that, that happens in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Which I've, I think... I've seen one episode of that. Yeah, I think stand-ups hate it, don't they? I a don't lot know. Of stand-ups I've, hate that show, but... But she has that thing. It's like when she comes on stage and she's angry and she's like gone wild, basically, that's when it's like, whoa, she's amazing. Mm. But then there's a lot of scenes where we see her kind of doing stuff when it's a bit more kind of friendly and sweet and it doesn't really fly. So I think I just didn't know what my persona was really. The reason I asked is because... you think I, I should do it? Yeah, no. I, well, no. I honestly, I'm really, I'm, I was, I would have been surprised if you said either a you hadn't or you hadn't thought about it because oh. the way that you are on stage and the what you're delivering and 
uh, even how you come across here kind of naturally, I think, lends itself to funny stuff. Thank you. Well, that was what I wanted to do with Superstar because my last play was really serious. I mean, what I'm saying is you should do it again and and keep trying. Um, go and do the gong show at the comedy store. Don't. <laughs> no, what's the gong show? I've oh, never heard of it. Go and see the gong show. It's so it's a bear pit. It's the last Monday of every month. It's a rite of passage for comedians. Go and watch it, and uh, you have to try and stay on stage for five minutes without them gonging you off. And people, three people in the crowd have red cards, and if they all go up, you get gonged off. But at the same time, you're getting heckled not only by the audience, but also by the the people on the mics behind, like kind of backstage. And it's a real rite of passage, okay. and um, it's horrible, but also very fascinating. I can really recommend it. Yeah. And to any anyone listening, like it's uh, gong show. See you there. Going, it's been going for like three decades. Maybe superstar was like my segue into some kind of stand up thing. I don't know. I, I that's why I asked because naturally I think I really think it is. That's not what it, the plan was, but I think I love comedy and I love I love making people laugh so yeah. much. And yeah. Um, have you difficult question? Maybe have you ever felt any resentment towards your brother's success? Um, I haven't ever felt resentment to my brother. Mm-hmm. I've never resented my brother for his success in terms of um, being like, how has he got all that? And I haven't. I just admire my brother and I think he's so talented and so hardworking and inspirational to me um, at the risk of sounding really cheesy. But I do resent what fame does to people. I do resent... Um, what I said at the beginning of this podcast, I think, was that like it meant that my brother couldn't give me as much attention. Yeah. Um, what? How do? You, how do you think your relationship with your brother would have been different? Would be different now if he hadn't been famous? We have a really good relationship now, um, but it, that's really hard to say because I just don't know. Mm. I think I I like don't know. Probably, um, well, he'd probably be in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just a period of time where I didn't really get to speak to him or see him very much. And because um, I think just there was a lot going on with his work and a lot of people demanding a lot of things mm. from him. And I, that was when I, that was a bit when I found sort of hard. But then we I fixed that. And you fixed uh, it. You fixed talk, it. No, by let's dis- not make a thing about fix you in this. Oh no, I wasn't going to. I was going oh, to say. Sorry. I was going to say fix, <laughs> fix it by discussing it with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I'm doing. I did. I did some therapy, and then I uh, we had a good chat. And but what, uh, what comes just interrupt? Sorry, but what comes across really well from a few things you've said is that clearly, you know, despite everything, it seems like he's the same person, and you can contact him if you need support. Yes, and all yeah, of that yeah, kind of stuff. yeah. Exactly. He's so um, yeah. He's great. But I just, you know, when you have the sort of brother who's your, your hero and you're um, until the age of 11 and then suddenly they're, they're much less easy to get in touch with and they're much more in demand from a lot of people and they are experiencing fame for the first time mm. and that's all very like, whoa. And then you've got your little 14-year-old sister who's just starting a period. It's like, <laughs> not, that's not going to be the most interesting thing going on. Mm. And so from my perspective, it felt like I'd lost him for a while. But then... Not because he, not it wasn't like oh he's lost to me because he's on heroin and, mm. um, but it's just that he 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 just had a lot more demands on his time, um, and then had kids and that's somewhat another demand, um, but then a few years ago I kind of started to come to terms with the whole thing and I think that's why I really didn't like people asking me about it, 
as well because I was really sad that I didn't have the relationship with my brother that people thought that I did. So when people were asking me questions about him, I couldn't answer them. And this isn't me saying this is any of his fault. It was just the situation. But then once I sort of started to look at it and I was like, okay, probably I should t- I should say, you know, I, I miss you to my mm. brother. And uh, I did. And um, it was he, he was really lovely. And uh, since then we kind of, you know, are, are, we have a really good relationship. Yeah. And I feel, I think that's part of why I felt comfortable to make this show now because... I feel like um, we do share. We have more of a, a relationship that I would want. Yeah. Oh, that was really deep. That was, that was great. <laughs> but also, yeah. Hold on, let me uh, bring it down a peg or two. <laughs> let me bring down time. You said in an article that I read, if I wanted to cash in on being Chris Martin's sister, I would have gone on Love Island. They didn't put the end of the quote, which was, but I don't have the body. I really wish I'd been able to see the end of the quote. That actually makes it much funnier and much more enjoyable. Okay, so what did you think when you read that? Because I was worried when they put that in. Um, that I was arrogant and that I assumed I could get onto Love Island. No, do you know what? Not at all. What did you think? And I would tell you if I'd thought that. I just thought that was the press classically picking up on something that probably wasn't in context. Yeah. So what I... Yeah, that... It's just a joke that I came up with that then I told the journalist and... Um, I mean, but also bear in mind this, I'm I'm looking at that... In I like a, that in, journalist actually though, I, that one. I'm, I'm looking at that specifically in terms of this project for me. So it's quite a self-involved way of looking at it anyway. So I'd uh-huh. probably, you know, probably ask someone else what they think about it. They might have a more different yeah, way of looking yeah. at it. I, I hope people just... I've, the, people, the kind of people that are going to enjoy my show are the kind of people that would have found that a bit funny. But um, also, it's um, yeah, they did cut out the bit about I'm in the bod. <laughs> um, well, what it made me think is <laughs> I wanted to know if you've ever had any kind of weird, bizarre offers or opportunities like that that you've either turned down or accepted. Not yet, because I only told anyone about Chris in the last sort of eight months. I know, so... but people are very quick. You'll be on Strictly before we know it. Actually... I think I'd be more likely to be invited on like Celebrity Big Brother because Strictly actually gets quite good people on. That's true. Although they've at least done enough in the public eye that... Yeah. Or have they, though? Are they people that have just gone on Love Island? I'm not watching this year. But Love Island, come off. What is that? Well, Love Island, you have to be an influencer now to go on Love Island. You have to have at least 25,000 Instagram followers. Seriously? But then they only go on to get more followers. That's true. Yeah, but that, that so that's the thing. So actually, uh, my brother Al and I always used to joke that we could be asked to be um, X Factor judges. Uh, but that was when Danny Minogue <laughs> got <laughs> not to stay. She is a musician in her own right. I know. But my brother was always like, "Yeah, I could like, I could be a judge on X Factor. I'm Chris's brother." Cut that. Because um, he'd kill me. So no opportunities. He'd absolutely but if you, kill me for him. If you started getting those opportunities, how do you think you'd feel? I would just say no, thank yeah. you. It's um. So if I put, just so not, I'm I put, just not interested. If I put five hundred thousand pounds in a briefcase in front of your face, and it's literally the cash is there, and for that cash you have to go on. Let me go into my Rolodex of reality shows, Dancing on Ice. Do you think you'd find it easy to say no? Dancing on Ice. I'm not. Really, I don't really care about the cash. I just quite like to do the show. <laughs> wait. Okay. But wait. wait you're not giving enough it. context to that because. Is that now that someone so they've come and so like I'm going to be on dancing as well? Hold on, let me give you some context. Let me give you some context. Um, During uh, Superstars' transfer to the Southwark Playhouse, 26th of November, 21st of December, everybody. 26th of November, uh, 2019. (laughs) um, It is it is seen by somebody who commissions uh, television shows and therefore 
very quickly you have a TV show commissioned about your role or your yourself as the sister of a famous person and how it affects your life. It's a Fleabag-esque sitcom. They film it very quickly and uh, by this time next year you are suddenly offered £500,000 to be on Dancing on Ice because you've had a... Uh, six-episode sitcom based on your own life, commissioned and and broadcast. In the sitcom, am I playing myself and Chris Martin from Coldplay is my brother? No. Or is it that I'm in a sitcom that I've written and it's really brilliant and funny and great and everyone loves it and it plays on the theme of having a celebrity sibling? You're playing, you're playing yourself. Mm-hmm. You've changed the name of your brother, but everybody <laughs> knows anyway that it's all about your brother. Just tried to pitch that. No, I didn't really. I'm not pitching that. But um, this is a bit of a jokey question. But also, actually, I think it's really interesting because it's really complex. It sh- it's, it's, it, yeah, the answer exactly. is no. I wouldn't go on it. Yeah, I wouldn't listen. But but also, what what you've done there is made it difficult because you've actually suggested quite a fun show. Whereas if you were like, <laughs> would you go on? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I'd say absolutely not. If it was celebrity, be with no, no, no. I would argue. But when it's like, I would learn to I ice skate that, and dance at the same time. Yeah, I mean that's totally subjective fun though, because I would argue that I'm a celebrity is a much better produced and and fun show than celeb- uh, Dancing on Ice, which I think is. I've not even really watched Dancing. On- to be honest, look, no. Someone actually <laughs> had requested who works from come from come from um, an entertainment. Um, company had wanted to come and see the show for free, and I said no because um, I'm just not interested. I won't like, and um, yeah. the f- I won't talk to any tabloids about the show, and I won't um, anymore. I know I did mm. um, talk to Good Morning Britain, and I didn't realise that tabloid papers were going to write about it. But after that, I said I won't speak to any tabloids, and I'd already said I wouldn't. But that's a story for another time. Um, I just didn't know what Good Morning Britain was. Really? And I just got excited because I was like, I can go on TV and talk about my show. Yeah, that's great. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of in that stuff, to be honest. But I, I totally no, understand the, nat- I, you the natural You don't want to give them any more. Yeah. You don't want to give those little fuckers any more stuff to take. What's the biggest lie that you've read in the press about... about uh, I think you started at the beginning, you mentioned one headline, but about your brother or you or your family... Because we've talked, I've talked to some of the other guests about this, and some of them, some of the stuff that's happened. One of our guests said that uh, his mum used to th- uh, throw boiling hot tea at the press who were outside their house. Really, yeah. quite a funny story. Um, that's good honour. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they're poison. Um, the, one of the, I just sorry, I just thought of a funny time when I just after Apple, my niece was born. Um, I went to see Chris and Gwyneth in this in Gwyneth's current flat, which was in London, and we wanted to go for a walk. And there were, or we need Chris and I needed to get somewhere, and there were loads of paparazzi outside. And so Chris gave me a, a water bottle, like a like a you know one that you can suck, <laughs> like with a nozzle-y thing. Yeah. And he was like, "Do what you want." And we went outside, and I remember being like, "I'm going to protect my brother." And so I like started trying to squeeze the water at the paparazzi but it all fell on my foot <laughs> so I just got a really wet shoe can I just say that the motion you're doing to describe this story <laughs> it, like is, it does look like you're wanking and I'm, I know and but I was only I was 12 know. no I was, how old was I 14 so I didn't know what that was at the time but the journalist didn't catch you it was before you. I went to Pizza Express with Alex Ship <laughs> um, and I lost my virginity I feel like I just remember like being so that's a story we can't go into too deeply the water splashing on me and Shippy. The virginity, yeah. yeah. Alex Ship. Um, we can't go. No, come to the show. It doesn't go into that deeply either. Sorry, Ship, if you're listening. Um, so, so you're what's the biggest the water. lie? I squirted the water and it didn't go on any of the paparazzi. I just looked like an idiot with a really wet foot in the end. Right. 
But it was a valiant thing that I was trying to do to protect my bro. Nice, um, cute. What's Very the biggest cute. lie? There's loads of them. Oh, I mean, There's like ma- a new one every week about my brother. Yeah. How does he deal with that? Doesn't read it. Right. If I think you'd only probably read it if it got to a point where it was like there was a big thing happening. But it's like... I don't know, they write about a different person that he's dating every yeah. week or yeah. like they do with all the celebrities. How do, but those aren't really the big lies. The one that kind of... I read one that said I had a net worth of like... I can't remember. I actually said it in the Times article. But now Two and a half million, I think it said, didn't it? Something ludicrous. Yeah. I had like 40 quid in the bank. <laughs> and I mean, I had some coming in that week. I'd made about probably 200 pounds from... Um, doing one of my side jobs that was due but that was about it yeah I was like where's the two and a half million I know um, that'd be lush but so so things like that but then and then also that is a great example a lot of people who who read stuff in the press say there's no smoke without fire but that is a perfect example of they've clearly no, just made that up yeah, yeah yeah and so they clearly do just make loads of stuff up but they must have done that based on like looking at what films I've been in and then making an assumption about how much I would have been paid for those mm. Not realizing that I'd only done half a day's work I on think, most of them. I'm not even but sure. But Lewis Capaldi did a thing on Instagram where he was saying that he'd just read that his net worth was loads more money than he actually had. Anyway, another lie was that um, my dad, my dad sold his caravan company, right. which is like a tiny little caravan business mm. in Devon. Um, it had sold for like millions, and it actually in re- reality absolutely didn't like le- weigh a lot less it sold mm. a lot le- for a lot less than a million and um, there w- it was just ludicrous that they wrote that um, and you, you come across as really really protective of all your family but also especially your brother how does it feel to you do when I? You, yeah you really do I just made a show where I slate them all but uh, thanks that's you're very nice. quick I mean when you talk about it you're very quick to you know if, the, if you say anything that you deem to be even the slightest bit negative towards any of them then you're very quick to back it up with positivity that really comes across um but what i was going to ask is how do you how does it instinctively and intrinsically make you feel when you read lies or people slagging off your brother or for instance the thing that made me think about this was you brought up your your niece for instance and there was a lot of shit about the names that your brother and his wife gave your yeah your i mean i thought it was a, like i thought it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> i love the name now Right, but at the time. I woke up in, um, I remember it so distinctly, waking up in, I'd stay, I don't know why, but it, there was basically, at my school there was like a sick bay and I'd gone for a nap there because I'd been doing a show the day before. I was in the diary of Anne Frank and um, <laughs> Chris hadn't been able to come because Apple, Apple was being born and I remember him calling me and he was like, we've called it Apple. And Chris used to do this thing where he would call me up. We've called her Apple, I hope he said. Yeah, we've called her Apple. And Chris used to do this thing all the time where he would call up the home phone when I was at home and um, and put on an accent or like pretend to be somebody else for ages. And I would fall for it. And so when he said, we've called her Apple, I was like, yeah, 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 good one. What have you actually called her? And then he was like, no, no, Apple. And I was like, oh. Okay, cool. And then I met her, and it and it's such a nice name, actually. Yeah. And there's so many worse names you can have. Yeah. But of course, you know, you call your daughter a fruit, and people are going to say things. That's what I said earlier about like sometimes you make, they make themselves an easy target, but you know, you got to just do what you want to do. No. But um, how do I feel about reading nasty things about my bro? I don't really read. Yeah. Um, and what I do, obviously, you do read them, but I I find it quite funny. 
yeah. when it's something that's like rude about Coldplay. Or I remember someone who didn't know he was my brother was slagging Coldplay off. Yeah. And I, I quite enjoyed sort of sitting there and listening. Not because I'm like, ha ha ha, we're laughing at my brother, but it's just like, well, this person doesn't know that Chris is my brother. Um, it's like being invisible. I don't know. I, I am protective of my family. I... I, now, if I read something like a bad bit of review about anyone, I just feel like, oh, cool, they're really good. I think they're really good, and they've had a bad review, so yeah, that's okay if I get a bad one. Um, yeah, quite a boring answer to your question, but no, no, it's good. Um, what is the most unusual thing that's happened to you as a result of being Chris's sister? Unusual. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, it was it'd be unusual. I watched go to the Golden Globes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And Meryl Streep put her arm around me yeah. and was like, you want me to babysit her, Gwynny? And I was like, oh, Meryl, yeah, babysit me. Um, and then I had a steak with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Oh, I love those guys. And um, they they wouldn't have had a clue who I was, but I went there with Gwyneth as her date once. And um, <laughs> Gwyneth, I'd, Gwyneth I, sounds I wanted so to lovely. Stay. Everything um, you say about Gwyneth sounds lovely. Well, she's my sis. Yeah. Obviously ex-sister, but still... Like I say, you don't have a 12-year-long relationship. What, what's really funny is when people would always be like, have you met Gwyneth? And yeah. you're like, she married my brother yeah. about five years ago. You'd hope we'd met. Um, so that was, that was that, I didn't mean that in a name-droppy way, that story, but that was just quite a bonkers, like, situation. Because that's something that's that wouldn't something normally not ha- many people would do. Exactly. But it was it was um, you, it was a really dreamlike thing, and that was a really cool night as well. Because I was just like, oh yeah, like these are all just quite normal people actually. And this yeah. whole ceremony is bullshit. Yeah, and actually really boring. Um, and I'm feeling brave now because it just came into my head. But you talked about how uh, you thought it was a joke when you heard about Apple, but. Uh, talk to me about what you thought when you first heard about consciously uncoupling because that's something that definitely I'd never heard of before Chris and Gwyneth um, I know a lot I more about it of, now actually. I just thought of such a bum out way of answering your question that would have put, made you feel really bad but um, <laughs> because it was, it. I was just sad that my brother was going through something really difficult so I didn't really care about what they called it no but that's I think that's a, but I think that's exactly the right yeah. way done because nobody in the world even gave a shit about that. They just gave a shit no. about the way that they 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 done it, and it made them think, "Oh, what a you yeah. know, classic actress slash musician, or whatever." But what? Yeah. But people need to remember that it's people. These people have real lives, and it's that's the way they deal with it. That's the best way to yeah for them to go through it. Well, that's that's good. You're an you're an empathetic young lad. Um, Not young. Yeah, I uh, I you are young. I I think that was my over. I mean, maybe I had a second of being like, what's conscious uncoupling? But it, to me, it wasn't funny. It was like, that's really shit for them to have to go through and to have to announce your divorce in a way like that. Yeah. And actually, if you read anything about conscious uncoupling, mm. it's actually really great. Really great, yeah. And coming from a family where my parents split up as well and maintained a really good kind of partnership in, in terms of being a team and being friends and try to make it have a, the least amount of impact on us as kids. The fact that, like, Chris and Gwyneth, that's essentially what conscious uncoupling is, yeah. is basically, like, let's make this as comfortable and easy as possible as we can yeah. for the kids because divorce is horrible. Yeah. And it's like, who gives a shit what you're calling it? But, but it's that thing, you know, 
I mean, if you want me to, I, like vaginal steaming, I don't have any, I feel really strongly <laughs> about that that's a terrible idea. Yeah. And jade eggs and whatever, some things she puts on goop, I really do, I do, I do really think like, what's going on there? But with um, conscious uncoupling, I, I just, yeah, I, wasn't think they, I don't really they, care what they call it. You know, it. so for, for me, just think, you know, they they took some shit to be, to be trailblazers in terms of that, to be honest. Yeah, and loads of people do it now. Yeah, exactly. Um Okay, so the final question, yes. Nicola, that we ask everyone. I thought that was if the I final haven't lost question. You, no. Oh. Final question is, if you could live your life all over again, but without having had a famous brother, would you swap it? Oh, uh, no. I, I think I've had, like, cool experiences as well as difficult ones. And, uh, no. Very good, succinct, pithy answer and perfect. Thank you so much for being our guest on Thanks for Almost having me. Famous. Guys, uh, make sure you uh, drop the episode a comment and uh, subscribe to Almost Famous and go and see Nicola at the Southwark Playhouse in mid to late November where you can see her show Superstar because it really is excellent. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.